0: Oh, come on. Anybody glad to be in church today? Make some noise in the room. Yeah. I don't know. It feels to me like uh, the atmosphere is filled with allergies. It's allergies going on right now after watching that video. Hey, it's so great to see all of you on this Father's Day weekend. Uh, before we jump into the message together, I always like to look in the back of this room and those cameras say a great big hello to our extended family Many of you know this, but if you're visiting with us, uh, we want to inform you that we are one church in multiple locations, so we have our church family right here in the South Metro Atlanta area, and then check this out, 702 miles north of here in Germantown, Maryland, just uh, 25 miles outside of our nation's capital, we have our extended family, Go Church. Welcome to all of you at Go Church. Happy Father's Day. Make some noise for Go Church. Let them know. Come on, let them hear you all the way from Atlanta. And then to all of you watching the live stream, uh, maybe you're traveling with your family today, perhaps you're en route to your uh, dad's house, your grandpa's house to spend the day with them, or maybe you have to work today. Uh, we, we celebrate all of you and then all of those who are serving in our military, those incredible men and women, brave men and women that are tuning in today. We welcome you as, as well. So all of you on the live stream, hello to you. Now, all of you in-house, make some noise for those on the live stream today. Let me know you love them. And let me give you you one quick announcement before we jump into the message, and it's important for you to know this, Go Church, we are so excited because next Sunday, Kimberly and I, we're going to be there with all of you. We cannot wait to get there with you. It's been a few months since we've seen some of you, and so we're excited to spend the weekend with you at Go Church. So get ready, mark your calendars, be there on that Sunday. And then for those of you here at South Metro, you're wondering, well, what about us you do not have to worry because you are going to be in really good hands. Uh, the bishop of the house, Alan Matera, will be preaching next Sunday. Come on. So we're excited uh, for that. And, you know, you know that, that guy can throw it down, you know. Uh, they, they say it like this here in the south. He can, he can shuck some corn. Come on, somebody. So you're going you to enjoy that. Well, one more time, we've done this a few times at both of our campuses, but a big happy Father's Day. Come on, make some noise for all the dads in the room happy Father's Day. Now, here, here's, what, here's what we know about dads. dads. Dads are special people. Come on, help me out for a minute. Dads, dads are unique human beings. I mean, think, think about a father for a minute. Think about a dad for a minute. We, we can break anything, but we can only fix a few things. Come on, help me out for a minute. We we can break just about anything. And, and then the, the, the best part of my job as being a dad is making sure that I keep my dad jokes on point. Yeah. Come on now. How many of you love a good dad joke? It's important to have a good dad joke every now and again. I had a list of dad jokes that I thought that I'd share with you, but I wasn't, you know, able to pull one up. I've had a really busy week. As a matter of fact, I was at the Apple store earlier this week, and it got robbed. Yeah, I was an eyewitness. <laughs> Come on, turn to your neighbor. They'll help you out. They're going to help you out real quick. Some of you let it sink in as early. You'll get it in a minute. <laughs> Some of you are just now, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. The other thing about dads is that we are the best text messengers. Come on. We, we give the best text messaging responses. I found this one earlier in the week. I thought I'd share it with you. You'll like this one here. It says, uh, it says it's, it's, the, it's a, a child texting the dad. It says, Dad, there's a moth on the outside of the bathroom door. Can you get rid of it? Please hurry, I'm going to cry. Dad, dad. And then the response is, dad is dead. You are next, love, moth. Come on. <laughs> that's, that's what dads do. Come on, this is what, this is what dads do. And then, and then you and I, you know, growing up, we had the, the opportunity to be blessed by some great TV dads, some great TV personalities. I didn't have time to show you all of them, but how many of you can remember this dad and appreciate this dad right here? Come on. And hey, let me just say, don't let my age fool you. This, this is when TV was good. Come on, the Andy Griffith Show. Come on. How many of you can whistle that tune? You can whistle that Andy Griffith Show too. Okay. Now, all of, all of the TV personalities that I'll show you, I'm reflecting on their TV personality, not necessarily whatever challenges in life they're going through, but, but you remember this one right here. This is the best TV, Dad. Come on. Dr. Huxtable. How many of you enjoyed the Cosby Show? Come on, this is a great one. Now, we're kind of progressing in time, but here are two dads that I love so much. You got Uncle Phil from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That was a good dad right there. Come on. Even adopted a nephew that he didn't even like too much. That'll preach in cell. And then you got Tim, the tool man, Taylor. Come on. This is what I was talking about a minute ago. Dads can break anything, but they can only fix you know, a few things, and then I don't know how many of you love uh, one of the newest, most popular TV shows, This Is Us, but this dad right here, Jack Pearson, this is the man, right? Here. I'm telling you, if you've not seen the TV show, This Is Us, this is a great dad right here, and you, you, you got to love dads. You got you to love the dads that we see on TV, but, but even when you pick up your Bible, there are some notable dads throughout the scriptures. Really, a day like today is easy to pick from a plethora of biblical father figures. I mean, I could have sat for a few minutes and talked about Noah. Even talked about Abraham. As a matter of fact, Abraham's son Isaac became a really great dad. You've got got Jacob. You you have Moses, who's a father to many. Even David taught us so much about being a father. But, But have you ever considered the life of Joseph? Have you ever thought about about Joseph. Now now the Joseph that I'm sharing with you about is Jesus's earthly father. I mean in a nutshell basically at the end of the day Jesus had a stepdad and his stepdad's name was Joseph. Let me just pause right there and give a big shout out to all the stepdads at both campuses. Come on. That is a tough job to step into the role as a stepdad. Uh, about a dozen years after my, my father passed away, my mom remarried. She, she married Graham Clift. Graham is my stepdad, and I give a big shout out to him because he, he's a good man. I know that being a stepdad can be challenging at times. It can be, it can be tough at times, and this, this is where we kind of are introduced to Joseph. Now, in my opinion, Joseph is one of the most underrated fathers in all of the Bible. Think about it. Now, let, let, me, let me share with you a little bit more in detail of what I mean. Think about the cast of characters that, that were associated with the birth of Jesus Christ. Think about the cast of, of members that were, you know, kind of put in the script of Jesus' birth. I mean, all of them were so colorful, and all of them were so memorable, and we often recognize these individual characters by, by their unique speaking parts. I mean, there was the time that, that the angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, and, and this is what, what the, the angel said. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will become pregnant. You will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. Somebody shout Jesus. Jesus. Well, after the announcement from this angel of the Lord, Mary, she, she sings a solo. She grabs herself a microphone and she sings a praise and worship songs and she says, "My soul exalts the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my savior." Then all of a sudden with dramatic words, the angels take center stage and they and they and they announce the birth of the Messiah. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a what? Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Then, then the angelic choir interrupts the shepherds, the, the shepherds, and they, they start singing. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace, good will towards. Men, The wise men show up. They're desperate for their search of this Messiah, you know, the Son of God. And they're they're coming prepared with gifts of praise and worship. And then the, the shepherds, they became the early evangelists. And the shepherds, after they witnessed the birth of Jesus, they went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as it had been told. And then you can't forget about the angel in Matthew that showed up on the scene and had a conversation with Joseph. And the angel says to Joseph, listen, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. Yet, oddly enough, Joseph never says a word. All of these characters associated with the birth of Jesus, with their grand entrance and their pomp and their circumstance, although he was born in a lowly manger, they came to celebrate the Savior of the world. And there's one silent member of this cast. Angels bring heavenly greetings. Mary sings her solo. Wise men bow in worship. Shepherds preach. But Joseph is silent. You'll never find a notable line in all of the Bible attributed to Joseph. There, there are no sound bites. You can't Google quotes about Joseph. There's none of that. There's, there's only silence. But as you know, in life we are taught that actions speak much louder than words. The truth of the matter is this, is that Joseph is irreplaceable in the story of Jesus' birth. And even though that he was completely silent throughout what we read, uh, Joseph still teaches us a few valuable lessons in fatherhood. And I want to walk this with you just for a moment as we kind of take this journey together. The first lesson that we learn from Joseph is a lesson in righteousness. Now, When we're introduced to this man, Joseph, he's in the middle of a personal crisis. He had just gotten engaged to a beautiful young girl. He had got himself a really good job. He saved up some money. He went to Jared's. Come on now, help me out. You know, he's saving up so that he can purchase them a home, and he's going to support his new bride. He's planning for the future and for a family. He's absolutely in love. He's committed to Mary. He believes that, that Mary loves him, and then all of a sudden he hears the shocking news that, that his fiance is pregnant. Can you imagine? I mean, Joseph had to be heartbroken. Joseph, for a moment, he had to feel absolutely betrayed. And now he's in a predicament. All of a sudden, Joseph is put into a, a dilemma. How should Joseph respond? Now, he had some options. He could publicly shame Mary. He could turn her over to the authorities where, if that were the, the decision that Joseph would make, they, 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 would, they would kill her. They, they would stone her to death. I mean, you have to think about it. When she told Joseph, hey, I'm pregnant, and he said, how is this possible? In his mind and in his heart, he's listening to her tell the story. Well, God impregnated me. I mean, this story is it's unbelievable. Some might even consider her side of the story to be blasphemous. So Joseph could have her stoned either on account of adultery or on the account of blasphemy. But Joseph chooses a path of mercy. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says in Matthew 1, verse number 19, and Joseph being a what? Come on, on the count of three, say those two words with me. One, two, three. Joseph was a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. What's interesting about what you just read in Matthew 1.19 is that his decision to choose the path of mercy was before there was any divine explanation as to what was going on. He had not yet had the angelic visitation about the full plan of God, but he acted on righteousness. Righteousness. I want you to see his response. She says to him, I'm pregnant and it's not your baby. And yet his response was there, there was no malice. There, there, there was no explosion. There was no slamming of doors. There was no domestic abuse. There was no verbal abuse. The Bible says that he was a righteous man. Now if it were me, Kimberly... I'm gonna have a lot of questions. Anybody with me? Come on, fellas, where are you at? How could you do this to me? Who is he? Where he at? Tell me who it is, baby. Who who is the baby daddy? Don't lie to me, Kimberly. I want to know. There have been times in our marriage where I have presented those questions because both of our children have blonde hair and blue eyes. Just saying. Joseph was a righteous man. I mean, soon, Joseph and his family, they were going to be the talk of Nazareth. His friends, uh, they were going to make snide remarks. But Joseph would not hurt Mary. When Joseph could have demanded a bitter sentence, he chose grace. And he chose mercy. Uh, James Dobson, many of you know him to be the founder of Focus on the Family. He writes these words, and I think they're so powerful. He says, one of the best things that a father can do for his children is to love their mother. One of the best things that that a father can do for, for his kids is to simply love their mom. And I'm telling you, Joseph was a righteous man. Another another translation of Scripture, it's the New Living Translation, says it this way about Joseph. It says, Joseph, uh, her her fiancé was a what? He was a good man. He was a good man. And he never wanted to disgrace her. I want you to write this thought down if you're taking notes, and I encourage you to do that. Here's the thought. The key to being a good father is first being a good man. You, you want to be a good father? Then it starts with learning about righteousness. It starts with, with the desire to simply be a good man. Because if you're a good man, then ultimately you're going to be a good father. And can I tell you, I want, I want so desperately to be a good man. I, I, want, I want to be a man of character. I want to be a man of integrity. I want to be a, a man of decency. I want, to, I want to be a good man like my dad was. You know what's sad is uh, he had a massive heart attack when I was a teenager, and his birthday was June 1st, and the older I get, and I'm just being honest, and it is sad, but the older I get, the harder it is to recall some memories of him. Amen. And it troubles me. I, I, didn't, I don't know a whole lot about him because I was so young, but, but, but I do know that he was a good man. He was a great man. Uh, there, there are so many stories that I could try to tell you, but one of them just kind of struck a chord with me this week. Uh, when I was growing up, we attended a really small church, a really small country church. I mean, there there are more people in, in this one section of this sanctuary than that whole church, and the pastor had been there for years, and they had really struggled to try and get attendance up, and my mom and dad, they would always volunteer in the church and. Uh, One day, the the preacher was just really uh, discouraged and disappointed, and and so he was asking people, how can we get new families in the church? we got to get new families in the church. Now, I want you to know this. My dad drove a semi-truck for over 27 years. and He was an over-the-road truck driver. But but he also ran a paint-and-body shop. Uh, For years, he painted all of the Canada Dry trucks around the country. And so on one Sunday, the preacher was up there preaching to, to just a handful of families. And out of nowhere, which I don't encourage you to do this here today, if you've got church growth ideas, shoot us an email and we'll be happy to respond to that. But my dad stood up in the middle of that church, that small country church, and he said, i tell you what. He said, if, it, if anybody here wants to bring new families to this church, he said, bring them next week. And the person that brings the most people to church, I'll paint your car brand new. And he sat back down. Now, I was little, but my mom told me, she said, that that church, that next Sunday, JC, it was standing room only. (laughs) She said, they came from all over. She said, one little old lady in her 80s, her name was Sister Fullwood. Uh, She had an old, rusty Uh, vehicle she brought 21 first time guests (laughs) to church that next Sunday and my mom said that my dad went over to her house he picked up that old rusty car he sanded it down he put the bondo on it you know the process better than I do but he painted it pristine it looked brand new and my mom said as long as that lady lived she drove that car to that church with pride that's the kind of man that I want to be I want to be be known as a good man. I want to be known as a man of righteousness. not that I'll do everything right because that's not possible, but I want to be a man of righteousness. And yes, I want to be a good father, but being a good father starts with the idea of being a good man. And I think what we see in the life of Joseph is that he teaches us about righteousness. He teaches us about righteousness. The other thing, though, that when I see this story that we learn about the life of Joseph as it relates to fatherhood is that he teaches us a lesson in responsibility. Remember, he's not saying much here. He's not communicating much here. But in his life and in his actions, he's teaching us just an overwhelming amount of principles and Opportunities for us to grow. And you have to remember that that although Joseph was a good man, he was a right man, he was contemplating what his next steps were. Now, he wasn't gonna hurt Mary, but certainly he thought in his mind, there's no way that I can marry her. I'm, I'm not gonna let him stone her, I'm not gonna put her out on the street. But but hey, maybe this relationship is over as we know it. But then in Matthew chapter 1, uh, verse number 20, the Bible says that while Joseph was thinking about all of these things. Come on, he's processing life. And come on, parents, you know life can happen. Unexpected things can happen. And he's processing all of these things, and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream. And here's what happened. And the angel said, Joseph, descendant of David, don't be afraid to what? Take Mary as your wife, because the baby in her is from the Holy Spirit. The angel went on. And the angel said, she will give birth to a son. And what? You will name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And watch what happens. Skips down to verse number 24. Watch Joseph's response. When Joseph woke up, he did what the Lord's angel had told him to do. Let me, let me say it to you like this. He accepted the responsibility. I, I will become res- fully responsible for a child that is not fully mine. Amen. Wow. He took Mary as his wife, and the scripture goes on, but, but he did not have intimate relationship with her until she gave birth to the son, and Joseph named him, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. See, Joseph, he believed God. He, he obeyed God. And then, and then he accepted the responsibility. Sometimes we don't think about Jesus and this era of his life, but what Joseph was saying yes to was all those dirty diapers. Yeah. Sign me up for the midnight shift with that crying baby. All the late nights, Joseph, in this moment, he said, I'll be, I'll be responsible. He said, I'll, I'll be responsible to the financial responsibilities to providing shelter, to providing food, to providing clothing. Come on, let me just preach for just a moment, church. How much better would our world be if every father just accepted their share of the responsibility? Come on, help me out for a minute. We, we've, got, we've got too many children being raised without dads in their home. How, how have we become so irresponsible? Irresponsible. How is it that we become so cavalier in our relationships with our own children that we are neglecting our responsibility to care for them fathers? Listen to me. We cannot leave raising our kids to the TV dads and expect them to turn out with the the purpose and intent that's on their life. We cannot leave the raising of our children to the daycare teachers or to their mother alone. Dads, listen to me. We've got to accept the responsibility. Regardless of, of how the, the baby came, regardless of how the child is here, the Bible says that every, every child is a gift from God. God does not make mistakes. There, there are no accidents. So whether the child was planned or unplanned, guess what? That, that child and that household, it is our responsibility Got, we've got to be more responsible. Let me, just, let me just paint the picture for you a little bit more. Joseph could have easily said, I'm out. I'm out. It's too much for me. It's too hard for me. It's too overwhelming for me. And I, I know that moms, they carry a lot of uh, different emotional challenges when it comes to the family. But so do fathers. I, I'll, I'll put my own emotions on the platform of transparency for a moment and tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've laid in bed at night when my family was asleep wondering, am I doing a good enough job? Am I providing enough for them? Am I caring enough for them? Do they have everything that they need? And we carry that, we carry that weight with us. But guess what? When I close my eyes, I recognize God. I know that you're with me and you're helping me while we have the Bible. There is no manual that says in step one, would the child do this? Step two, do that. But I'm accepting the responsibility of being a dad. Yeah. To being the father of this home and to being the husband of Kimberly. I said yes. There, there's a... Uh, a gentleman, a life specialist by the name of Delmer Holbrook. And he and his wife, they've traveled the country for years uh, doing different surveys and studies. And they, they, they surveyed thousands of children in America some years ago and they, they, asked, they asked them the, the top three things that their father says most to them. Hey, what's the top three things that your dad says most to you? Here's the responses of thousands of children around the country. I'm too tired. We don't have enough money. Keep quiet. Thousands of children around our country. And these are the top three most responses from a father. I'm too tired. How many of you know that's true? It's exhausting, life is. We don't have enough money. Anybody in that boat? Keep quiet. Now, sometimes this one is absolutely appropriate. Help me out, parents, for a moment. I want you to see something, though. This particular survey was done in 1976. Not much has changed, has it? I'm too tired. We well, do have enough money. Keep quiet. Dad. I think in, uh, in my best attempt here to, to share with you about the life of Joseph, I think that there is this lesson of responsibility that we should learn Hey, listen to me, fathers. Regardless of the age of your children, I want you to hear my heart for a moment. Uh, You need to clock out early from work from time to time. Your children, they really don't care how much money you make. They just care about how much time you make for them. Listen to me, dads. It's okay to put down the remote control every now and again. I know, I know that you're tired, and I know that you're working hard, but, but your children are not in, interested in watching TV with you. They're interested in spending time with you. Yeah. Come on, dads, we got to get up off the couch every now and again. Yeah. We've we got, we got to get down on our hands and knees yeah. and let our kids ride horsey until you and I can't giddy up anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I have giddy-upped around my house until my, both of my knees hurt. Come on now. Yeah. But when my three-year-old princess says, Dad, can we play horsey? Get on my back, baby. Let's go for a ride. L- listen, listen to me. You need to go outside. You need to throw a baseball around. You need to pick up a football. I'm too tired. You I not got enough money. It's not about those things. Keep quiet. No, no, no. They just want time with you. Let me tell you, you, you need to play Barbies. You need to let your princess dress you up like a princess. Help me out. Those are the memories stick in their hearts and their minds forever. Let me tell you, 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 need, you need to spend some quality time with your children, regardless of their age. Take your kids to the park. There's a lot of free things you can do around here. Here's one, and take your kids to church. Let them experience the goodness of God. As a matter of fact, and, and that, that's the third thing that, that we see from Joseph is this he teaches us a lesson in religion. Now, now I want to pause just for a moment because I I really and I'm not just making this up, but I really struggled with this word all week long because this word has such a negative connotation attached to it today. But I want you to know before I dive into this thought here, I do not mean this word religion in any negative way whatsoever. I I've been guilty. In my own way of saying more than, than one time that our, our walk with Christ is not about religion. It's all about relationship. And I, I, I agree with that statement. But that statement can be somewhat misleading. Because yes, Christianity is all about religion. Or Pardon me, our relationship with God. But true religion is also about our relationship with God. As a matter of fact, watch this. I want you to see this real quick. Check this out. James. Chapter 1, verse 27, James says, Pure and genuine, what? Yeah. Religion. In the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans, caring for widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. James, James incidentally, is also a son of Joseph. And I just, I wonder, and I'm not trying to take the scripture out of context, but I wonder if James is writing based off of his perspective of watching his dad all those years put God first in the household. The point is this, Joseph was a devoutly religious man. And in this culture, in this Jewish culture, the father was not only the head of the household and the primary breadwinner, but he was also the spiritual leader of his home, and watch. I'm going to show you this, and I'll pray for you. And after after Joseph proves himself to be a righteous man, to be a good man, after he accepts the uh, the responsibility uh, of Jesus as as his son, watch what happens next in Luke uh, chapter number two. The Bible says this. And on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus the name the angel had given him before he was even conceived. The the Bible goes on and says this. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Verse 23. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. Let's keep going. I want to show you what he does. Verse 39, when Joseph and Mary had done what? Everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. Verse 40, and the child grew. He became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and he was filled with the the grace of God that was on him. And every year, here's the line right here, Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. I want you to see that. It's important not to miss it because Joseph knew the spiritual responsibility he had as a father. He obeyed everything in the law of Moses to the best of his ability. And this annual pil- uh, pilgrimage, right, to Jerusalem, It demonstrates that Joseph was dedicated to seeking God and leading his family into a deeper relationship with their heavenly father. Write this thought down as we come to a close. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. A child is not likely to find a father in God unless he finds something of God in his father. Let that sink in for just a moment. Seeing God in their father is a child's best way to come to know God as their father. And I just want to tell you this, and then I, I promise to pray. I hope that my children never forget the sound of their father's praying voice. I pray every single night with my children. Get down by my daughter's bed and lead my family in that nightly prayer and devotion time together. Why? Because I want them to see my relationship with Jesus. I want them to hear my relationship with my Father. I want them to see Jesus on the inside of me. I, I wish I could go back and... And redo a few things in my uh, parenting and my fatherhood but try my best to be a righteous man a man of responsibility and a man that puts God at the center of his household and dads you need to know this you more than anyone else in the world you are enabled to instill faith in your child You, more than anybody else, are the ones that can show them what a loving dad really looks like. You, more than anyone else, can give them the ability to trust and depend on their Father in heaven. But we're closing. Watch this. But you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give them something that you yourself have not first possessed. Let me tell you, being a dad is not easy, but I've learned that being a follower of jesus that helps being a dad a little easier before before any one of your children again regardless of their age before they can ever ever see god in you you must first let god in you accept that relationship you you must seek him and make him the top priority in your life you must love the lord your god with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and with all of your strength. And when you do that, they'll see him in you. Uh, The statistic was given earlier that Father's Day is one of the lowest attended holidays in the church. Here's my take on it. Here's why I think that is. Because so many fathers carry guilt and shame because they feel like they have not been or they are not where they should be in their household, and in their walk with Christ. Well, let me tell you, in a moment, Jesus can step in. Amen. And he can help you in this next season and in this next chapter Amen. of your household and your family. There was, a, uh, there was a Sunday school teacher years ago, and she gave her, her three- to five-year-old Sunday school class this project lesson. And she said to the class, she said, All right, I want you to draw a picture of God, whatever you think God looks like, so she gave them a few minutes to work on the project and they, they pulled out their Crayola crayons and they began to draw pictures and she was so excited to see how this uh, Sunday school class would respond and finally she said, okay, time's up. And one by one, these little children would come and they would <clears throat> hold their picture in front of the class and of course, some of them were, were painted rainbows and some had a beautiful clouds and a, a sunrise and then there were figures with big hands and that went on and on and on and on until one little girl, finally stood up and she walked to the front of that Sunday school class and she said, I don't know what God looks like. So instead, I drew a picture of my daddy. Listen to me. You have the most beautiful responsibility to show your family what God looks like and who he really is. And what we can learn from a man who never said anything that was recorded is that we can learn what it means to be a man filled with righteousness, to take the responsibility, and to learn what it means to live in pure and true religion. So let me say this to you. To all the dads in this room and at Go Church and all of you watching online, that you have lived your life of righteousness and responsibility and you put God first, I want to say thank you. Because there's not enough dads like you. Thank you for showing us what it means to be a good man. Thank you for showing us what it means to be a godly man. Thank you for always being there when we needed you the most. Thank you for loving God and making us want to do the same. Thank you. But to those dads that you feel like you're behind the eight ball a little bit, start fresh right here today with accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because at the end of the day, for every single one of us, the children of God, hear these words, He has not stopped loving you. He loves us unconditionally. And our Father, He wants nothing more than for you to be a part of His eternal family. So from being a good dad to on this Father's Day trying to figure out how to forgive a bad dad, it all starts with saying yes to him, to saying yes to Jesus. Come on, can you give Jesus the best praise you've got this morning?